All right, well, good morning. It's good to, to be here. Ooh, I'm really loud. Hello. Hi there. Uh, my name is Rob. Uh, I have the pleasure of serving as the associate pastor here at Bluemont. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, it's, you're kind of sensing a bit of the buzz, a beginning. Uh, people are starting to move into the dorms. The, the parking is becoming a nightmare again. You know, traffic at around uh, rush hour is like, oh, this, this exists again. Yeah, I forgot about traffic. Uh, but it's really cool. There's just a buzz around the city of Manhattan. It's really an exciting time and a great opportunity for people uh, just to, to, to really start a new season. And so I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you all are here this morning. And uh, I really believe that what God has for us this morning is going to be, uh, I think, really powerful and impactful for us in this season as we enter into a new uh, semester. And so, uh, so let's just pray. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing, uh, not only just in this place, God, but uh, around this city. Uh, God, that you're stirring something up and, and drawing people to yourself. God, I pray uh, this morning that, uh, that as this word comes to uh, everyone here, including myself, God, that you would speak to us, you'd uh, illuminate our eyes to, to see and receive the word, uh, and God, that it would, it would go about and transform the very way that we live. God, we thank you and we love you. In your name, amen. All right, so... Uh, today we're going to be talking about being risk takers. Uh, I remember back in 2010, I was a graduate student at uh, KU. Sorry, everybody. But uh, I was a graduate student at KU. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York and moved out here to Kansas. Uh, some of you are like, honestly, I didn't even think about Kansas at all in my entire life before moving to Kansas. Uh, I realized, like, oh, there's probably, like, a lot of tornadoes, and I know the Wizard of Oz happened out there. There's just a lot of, like, crazy stuff. So I'm here at Kansas. I, truthfully, I didn't even know KU was that good at basketball, to be honest. Somebody once told, like, when I had applied and gotten accepted, someone was like, oh, you're going to be a Jayhawk. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what that means, you know? Uh, just kind of, like, clueless when it comes to the college sports scene. And so... Uh, in 2010, I was attending KU, and uh, I got season tickets to, for the basketball team uh, to go to Allen Fieldhouse regularly whenever KU was playing a home game. And uh, I was dating a girl at the time who graduated from K-State, but she was in graduate school at KU. That's kind of an interesting kind of dynamic right there. But she was very uh, devoted to the KSU family, right? Uh, very heavily engaged, like, okay, like, I love KSU. I want to go to this K-State uh, game at Allen Fieldhouse, where K-State is going to be playing KU, but I want to wear my, my purple. I want to represent. And for me, I'm like, I don't know anything about these Kansas teams, but I know, like, I've seen how KU fans at Allen Fieldhouse treat opposing fans. Like, I had that experience, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk here, okay? Like, I don't want you to be the only person who's, uh, you know, sworn at, you know, vagrantly, like crazily. So I'll wear, uh, I'll wear some purple gear, you know? I'll, I'll take, I'll be noble, and I'll endure this punishment on your behalf because no one's going to swear at a girl when the guy has got purple on, right? There's no way. So I show up to the game uh, decked out in purple, I wasn't like full on like wearing body paint or anything like that. It was just like a purple shirt, right? It was real, real basic. And uh, our seats were at the very, very top of Allen Fieldhouse. So if you've ever been to Allen Fieldhouse, you actually have to walk into uh, where, you know, you walk in at the bottom and then you have to walk 
all the way up to the top through the entire student section, okay? So I'm like, great, this is, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. But not only that, I knew this going into it. I show up, and uh, guess who chickens out? Wearing purple. Yeah, my uh, girlfriend chickened out wearing purple, and I'm the only person wearing purple, and I have no connection to K-State whatsoever. I'm like, I, I, what do I do to deserve this? Like, this is not, this, what, this is going to go great. Like, you know, God forbid that uh, K-State wins this game, I'm going to die. Like, I know it. It's going to happen. Um, I'm going to die. And so I, I walked in and up through uh, the concourse, up to the very top, and I, I kid you not, I have never heard more cussing in my entire life, and that was only in 10 seconds. And I was like, wow, that's really intense. Like, okay, like that's, whew, like I really hope I don't have to go to the bathroom at all, like this entire game, because I do not want to endure that. Sure enough, uh, K-State lost the game, so my life was preserved. I'm standing here before you now. Uh, but that was like so, uh, it was risky, right? I had to really step out into something that I'm putting myself out there, and I'm not sure what the outcome is ultimately going to be. And so, uh, it was really kind of amazing that, uh, I, I know it's kind of like a silly story, but uh, I think that, that that little story is just a solid representation of really like our life in the spirit, that God is calling us to take risks, to step out, to venture into what seems like the unknown, right? And that's, and that's who God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be risk takers. Um, the measure of our risk is entirely dependent on the measure of our faith. Take a look at what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. I have the, the references up here. You can take a look at them, but uh, I'm going to be jumping through a bunch really quickly, so you might want to just jot them down and go back to them later. Take a look at what it says. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. So faith is completely about the unseen realm. It's completely about the unseen realm, what's happening in the spiritual, and how we are interacting with that unseen realm. Right? Faith is designed by God to make the invisible become visible. That's what faith is all about. Something that's invisible has become visible. It's a gift so we can see what he sees. Basically, it's like spiritual eyesight, right? You can see in the physical, but God is kind of giving you spiritual eyesight, uh, some, some eyesight to see what's not there, right? Take a look at, uh, here's a couple of references in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight, not our physical sight. That's what we walk by. It's faith. Jump back one chapter, 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says this, We don't look upon the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. You're like, man, like, what are you talking about? There's a cool story in the Old Testament that I'm really going to focus in on a little bit this morning. Uh, it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of a preface to what we're going to read here in just a minute. Uh, there's a, a prophet of Israel, his name is Elisha, 
and uh, a couple of other characters. There's the king of Ammon, and then there's the king of Israel. So the king of Ammon uh, is at war with the king of Israel. These two nations are warring against each other. Ammon uh, has these battle plans drawn up, and it seems as though every single time he sends his troops in, those plans are foiled. The king of Israel already knows what's happening, how it's, how it's being, uh, all the battle plans, with the troop movements, everything. And so Ammon is just getting angry at this. Like, why does this continue to happen? There has got to be a traitor in our midst. So he calls all of his uh, generals together, all of his advisors, and says, hey, like, what is the story? One of you is going behind my back, you're a traitor, you're telling the king of Israel what's happening because there's no way that any of this stuff would happen otherwise. And so his advisors say, actually, there's this guy named Elisha who's a prophet and he is delivering all of these stories, all these, uh, all these reports about the troop movements, what you're going to do. He even knows the stuff that you say in the privacy of your own bedroom. That's how gifted this guy is. So Amon says, well, we got to go kill this guy. We, we got we to get him. And uh, sure enough, his advisors, I don't know why they were sitting on this information, but they're like, yeah, uh, hey, we know where he is. He's in this, uh, this city uh, down over here. So, so, so Amon decides, okay, we're going to send our troops down there. We're going to surround the city. And we're going to kill this guy. So that's what he does. He sends all of his troops to the city overnight. They all get all set up for the next day. Uh, and then, uh, so Elisha and his servant, they wake up in the morning. When his servant looks out over the hills and, and the fields, he just sees chariots, these men, like all lining up uh, in battle formations. And so his servant is like, man, uh, we're, in, we're in deep doo-doo here. Like, this, this is not going to go really well. It's just me and this guy who hears from God, and there's lots of spears, lots of uh, bows. We're probably going to get run over by horses. Our heads are going to get chopped off. Like, hey, like, maybe they're just coming here to get Elisha, but I serve him, so I'm probably going to see the same fate as what's happening. Uh, so it's not looking good, right? So let's pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. This is what it said. Elisha speaking to his servant. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes. Again, there's that eyesight, spiritual eyesight. Open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So that's what Elisha's seeing. What he sees is vastly different than what his servant is seeing. He sees the fuller, more broad picture of what God's up to. He's able to use his eyes of faith. Faith is seeing into the invisible realm exactly what God sees in our circumstances. So you have the circumstance in front of you. You can look just at the circumstance in front of you. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know what the situation is. This is crazy. Like, it's going to be blah, 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 blah. But no, God has something more that's going on. He wants us to see with spiritual eyes at our circumstances and how he wants to interact with that. So the rest of the story is kind of crazy. His servant sees what Elisha sees. And then he's like, okay, I'm in. I I get this now. This is is awesome. Uh, So Elisha, uh, being bold, decides to leave 
the safety of his home, and he walks out right literally into the army's midst. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, that's pretty brave. But think about it. They didn't have pictures back then. So how do they know what Elisha looks like? Right? They're basically just going to destroy the city and kill everybody, hoping they kill Elisha. So Elisha's like, meh, I'll just walk out there. They don't even know what I look like, so I might as well just say, hey, what's up, guys? What are you doing here? What's going on? So he walks into their midst, and he prays to God, hey, God, blind them so they can't see. The whole army goes blind. And then he says, hey, you guys are in the wrong city. I, I'm going to take you to where you need to go. So Elisha walks 14 miles on a nice little hike back to uh, where the king of Israel is. And as soon as they reach the king of Israel, the army's eyes are open and they're like, oh boy, this is not going good for us. Like, uh, that, oh, that guy got us. Man, that's, that's pretty good. And uh, so the king of Israel says, hey, like, all right, let's, let's kill these guys. Let's do it. And Elisha's like, no, like, that's not how you treat prisoners of war. Like, feed them, send them on their way. So the king of Israel's like, okay, like, all right. So they throw a massive feast. Uh, they throw a huge party for the, uh, the opposing army, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And then they send them on their way. And so the whole army goes back to the king of Ammon and probably tells him what happens. And uh, yeah, they just stop fighting as a result. The war is over. Like, oh, if that's how this is going to go, then I don't want any part of battle with those guys. Uh, so that's, it's kind of a crazy story, but really, like, you see Elisha who's experiencing something. He's experiencing the supernatural. He sees with more than just the physical eyes that he has. He's being, seeing with the spiritual eyes. He's acting in faith. Yeah. It wasn't enough for him to simply believe. Right? I think uh, a lot of times our, our tendency is to, to say, like, yeah, like, okay, I, I believe that. But then it's like, you say it kind of not really uh, convincingly. Like, yeah, like, I really believe that God is up to some great stuff here. I'm so excited for what God's doing. You know, like, come on. Like, no, like, I believe. Come on. Let's get after it. Belief is internal. Belief is internal and faith is external. These are really two separate expressions of a God-given reality. You have your belief, which is internal, and the faith which is external. What we believe, our faith acting out, needs to be consistent with that belief. How we respond to that belief is really what matters. That's what God sees. Constantly throughout uh, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus is here on earth, he always constantly references seeing people's faith. He sees their faith. James 2.18, it's not up here, but uh, you might want to jot it down. It says that demons believe that God is one and they shudder. So they, they know who God is, they know what he's up to, but they just have no faith consistent with the belief of who God is, right? Those are two separate actions, but they're two different expressions of a God-given reality. Noah, for example, he believed that there was going to be a massive worldwide flood, and so he built a boat. Took him a long time. He was ridiculed constantly for it. And then uh, when it started raining, people were like, that guy, a guy, he knew what was up. He acted in faith. Abram, he was given an inheritance. But he didn't know where it was. He, God said, hey, you got to go over there. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go over there. I have no idea where there is, but I'm going to go. 
So he, he ventures on a journey and receives his inheritance. Joshua, around uh, the walls of Jericho, God said, hey, march around the city. The walls will fall. He had to get up and say, okay, like, I actually have to go and do this action that's consistent with what I believe about what God is saying is going to happen, right? So when we believe and we don't act, we're doubting the very nature of God and are being influenced by our circumstances. That means that every action that we take, not through a lens of faith where we're seeing with eyes of faith, we're doing it from a point of risk assessment, right? It's kind of a, a term in uh, the financial world, risk assessment. What are your liabilities? What are some things that you're kind of prone to financially? How do we manage that risk, right? Risk management. If you see with the eyes of faith what God is up to, there's no risk. You can step out into what God is calling you to, and it's like, oh, there's no risk here because I already know what the outcome's going to be. My circumstances aren't going to define how I move and what I do and how I act. What God says is true is ultimately what's going to change uh, the way that I move and act. Think of it like this. Internal belief produces external faith. And as our faith grows, our perceived risk shrinks. A few years ago, back in uh, 2013... Um, there was a time when I really believed and I knew that God was uh, calling me to go into vocational ministry. Uh, I was working a full-time job here in town, uh, making excellent money. Uh, I could have literally just played it safe, said, you know what, I'm good. I got a 401k set up, I got health insurance, I got a really solid salary. I really don't have a whole lot to worry about at this point in time. I could stay here but I just felt this, um, almost like a burden, right? It's just, it weighs on you, something like, man, if I stay here, I'm just going to be miserable. Like, no amount of money is ever going to change that. Like, I know that God is calling me into something else, into something bigger. And I have no idea how the money is going to come. I have no idea how I'm going to get health insurance. I have no idea how I'm going to save for retirement. I have no idea uh, how my living situation is going to work. I, I don't know how any of this stuff is going to play out. But I know that this is exactly what God is calling me to, and I know that that is exactly the safest place to be, that it's at the center of his will. That's exactly where I want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be outside that. That's the yeah. safest, safest place I could possibly be. Now, it's really funny because th I, I was stirring through this stuff, and I knew that, okay, like this is... This is what God is calling me to. Uh, apparently, I wasn't very skilled at communicating it with certain people because uh, there was a lot of just negative reactions to that, especially from family. It was really interesting just to see that. It's like, they're all believers. They're, they're following Christ. And you could tell that there was like, yeah, like, I'm excited you're doing that. But at the same time, you know, how are you going to do all this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you guys are looking at all the circumstances. Like, I have no idea how any of this stuff is going to work out. I really don't. But if I believe and know that God is calling me to it, then he's going to provide it. It's going to come. Like, there's, there's nothing to worry about. And it's really funny because 
from that point on, uh, when I en started engaging in the process and went out to start raising support and the finances just started coming. And um, the reaction was much different after I had fully raised the support. It was like, okay, like, yeah, God has called you to this. It's like, well, why didn't you support me back when I had nothing? You know, it was the same, the same, the, the circumstance, there's nothing, the only difference was just the gap from here to here. That was all it was. And it was just extending my faith and reaching out and saying, hey, like, no, God has already provided it. I just got to find it. It's just the journey. That's all it is. It's crazy when we act in faith. Take a look at what James says in James 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, right? God gives generously. That might be the revelation you need this morning. God's a generous giver. To all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Uh, last night, I don't know if you guys remember what happened, but there was just crazy wind. I don't. I was you know, in bed, and it kind of kept waking me up last night, but just massive gusts of wind were just smashing the side of our house, and uh, this morning when I got up and looked outside, all of our, like, stuff was everywhere in the backyard, you know, like, we have a little kiddie pool that was, like, flipped over in a neighbor's yard, and I'm like, okay, well, that's, I gotta go get that now, um, but, but that's exactly what he's saying here, right? Those who doubt they're like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. It's, you're just all over the place, right? You're just tossed about when you doubt. Jump to Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. This is what he says. Jesus talking here. He says, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what God says will come to pass it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whoever, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Right? He makes the distinction here between belief, which is internal, and the expression of faith, speaking to that mountain. You, mountain, go to the sea now. That is the act of faith. You're stepping out and you're speaking to that mountain. So the question I have for you this morning is, what is your mountain? What's your mountain? What circumstance do you see in front of you where you're looking at all of the, the, the problems, the situations, this and that? You're looking at the circumstance. It could be a variety of different things. It could be uh, some of the relationships that you're engaged in. Right? Like, oh man, I'm in such conflict with this person. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I got these issues and I can't go to this person because they're just going to think of me as being a weak person, but I know I'm in the right and so on. You know, you go through that, that, that internal dialogue. Your finances. I have no idea where this money is going to come from. I got bills stacking up, student loans I can't pay off, all these financial medical debts. Where is it all going to get taken care of? Right? You're fixing your eyes on that mountain instead of speaking to it. 
Speak to that mountain. I love what Graham Cook says here. It's a confusing quote, so I'll read it a few times. If you do before you get it what you would do if you had it, you'll be sure to get it. Let me say that again. Yeah, that was a, that's a good one, right? Tongue twister. If you do before you get it, right, you're stepping out in faith, you're doing, you're moving, you're acting, what you would do if you had it. You believe that it's already yours. You possess it already. But you're acting as though you already own it. You already have it. You'll be sure to get it. If you do before you get it what you would do if you had it, you'll be sure to get it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. There's a lot of times I think that we, we see these mountains, we see these, these situations and circumstances, we see them as risky. Oh man, I can't step out of this, so on and so forth. I'm comfortable with what I know. What I know is reality. Stepping out beyond what's seen to the unseen is, is sometimes really difficult. It's challenging. It's hard. It's risky, right? A question you need to ask yourself is this. Who told you that was risky? Who told you that was risky? Why is it risky? Who told you that? When you're convinced of what you're seeing in the spiritual is so much bigger and real than what you're seeing in the natural, you'll move out of your present circumstances. So here's what uh, I want to do this morning. Uh, so last week, uh, it kind of happened where we were uh, in the middle of singing and I really just got a sense like, okay, like I, I want to, to pray for people in a very specific way. And uh, it was really funny, actually. My wife came up and shared something that was on her heart at literally the exact same time. So I was like, man, I think these people have probably heard enough from the Zimas today. Uh, so maybe I'll just hold on to it and another time would be uh, appropriate. And so we're going to do it right now. Um, Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for people who have uh, physical ailments, uh, problems that they are facing uh, in the physical. So uh, I don't know if, uh, what it could be if there's people who have uh, situations with their health that just look beyond uh, your control, that you're not sure how it's going to turn out. Uh, it could be cancer. It could be just your basic cold. It could be... Uh, you've got really bad joints, um, you could have neck problems, back problems, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're dealing with something physical right now, uh, I'm just going to encourage you right now to please stand. Okay. Thank you for your faith. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, the Bible in the New Testament talks uh, extensively about laying hands on people, uh, and a lot of times it's really, uh, there's a couple of reasons why we do it. The first is that uh, we're doing something and standing with those people, and the second thing that we're doing is uh, we are imparting our faith into those people as well. So uh, in the New Testament, there's an example of where Jesus, the, these friends brought uh, a person 
to Jesus to be healed, right, on a mat. So they literally cut the, uh, there was such a crowd, they cut the, the roof open, and Jesus looked and he saw the faith of his friends. It wasn't the faith of the guy who was sick, it was the faith of his friends. And so we're extending our faith on behalf of these people here this morning. Uh, and so if you're near these people, I just want to ask you to lay hands on them, just, just put your hand on them for reassurance, on their shoulder, on their uh, back, whatever they feel comfortable with. And we're just going to pray for this mountain to be tossed into the sea. God, we thank you for who you are. God, it's in your nature to bring healing. And God, right now, I, I thank you for all of these people who took a risk in standing, extending their faith. I thank you for all the people, God, who are extending their faith on their behalf. God, I know that you're doing an incredible work right now in this place. And God, I pray and command that whatever these mountains are, whatever these physical problems are that these people are facing, God, we command them to be gone in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing. We pray for, uh, for any sickness to be gone. God, for any joints to be positioned back to where they need to be. God, for bones to be healed, for headaches to be gone, for backs to be realigned. God, whatever it is that's going on with people in this room, physical, we command it to be gone in the name of Jesus. God, and we invite just your Holy Spirit to come uh, and be with these people, God, to bring about the full healing, God, to be, uh, God, we thank you that you are the counselor, that you're stepping into this place right now, and you're with these people. God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you're going to do uh, through these people. In your name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We need to be a community that's speaking to our mountains and not just accepting them as our reality. God has a much greater and bigger reality for us than we can even possibly comprehend. So before we finish this morning, does, uh, does anybody have any questions? Mountain, get out of my way. Um, that is a good question. There are a couple of different ways. Uh, number one, I think that it's important for you to be uh, clean. And what I mean by that, not physically, like don't take a shower and speak to your mountain. Um, to come to a place of repentance if there's any known or open sin in your life that you not only are confessing it to God, but that you're speaking to that with other people who are in your life. So um, one of the important uh, features of our community here is that we really want to be a church that's about discipleship, that people are living in community with one another, that they're seeking counsel for life situations, uh, that we're, we're running alongside of each other uh, as we do life. And so uh, the important thing about that is just be in communication with somebody about your circumstance, right? Hey, like, 
I have the circumstance in front of me. I've got, uh, hey, like, I need to confess this sin before you. I want to believe and extend my faith for this, and I don't know what that looks like. Will you help me in that? Uh, having people that are in your life, I think, are really important. Um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Anybody else? I'm sorry, say that again, please. Where's the risk? The risk uh, would be kind of that, that fight that we have of faith. So it's, it's coming into and understanding the reality of who God is. So I think it's safe to say that none of us have perfect faith, right? That we still are being uh, influenced from outside sources, right? So there's like I mentioned, circumstances that we face in our lives, that we see that in front of us. Sometimes those things are there for us to kind of push through. Other times there's, there's another, there is an enemy who's speaking to us, and there are lies that we do believe. But when we aren't seeing the full truth of who God is and what he's capable of, we're believing a lie somewhere. And so sometimes it's just a matter of, okay, like what lie am I believing? That's the question that I ask is, who told you that, right? Who told you that it was risky? Because sometimes we see that and we focus so much more on the circumstances really than extending our faith and moving beyond it and past it. So we can have a belief, but our faith is the action that needs to be consistent with that belief. And the risk comes in battling through and, and fighting it. That's why it's called a fight of faith. There is resistance. There is a real force. Yes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, when Peter stepped out onto the water, you know, people give Peter such a hard time because he sank. <laughs> the other 11 stayed in the boat. So, you know, he took a risk. No person up to that point really had ever walked on water. So it's like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. And when that doubt, and he saw the wind and the waves and so on and so forth, he started to sink. It's like, oh, shoot, like, faith is failing me right now. Like, I, gotta, I really got to step in. So, yeah, that's a great example. Cool. All right, well, let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you that you've called us to a life of uh, just extending our faith and believing for what you have for us. God, we, uh, we ask right now that you would uh, just extend and give us a, a greater measure of faith than we've ever had uh, for this year. Uh, God, we believe in, in who you are, what you have for us, and uh, God, we thank you uh, that you are uh, on the move, and we want to be exactly where you are. So we thank you, we love you, in your name, amen.